cross the street. Excuse me, Egon. You said crossing the streams was bad. Holiday edition, back after a little bit of a hiatus at the end of Kane's UW football season, the, the beginning of my Bearcat basketball season. Things have been a little hectic schedule-wise, but Cross the Streams is back. Kip Ione, Kane Ione, back with you, doing some topics around this Christmas time, holiday season time. Um, and Kane, first of all, everybody's got to know how have we been, what have we been doing? I know the Bearcats are five and three, and when we're five and three, Kip's in a great mood. Everything grows <laughs> up, guys. Pink. The, the weather's always good, no matter what it is outside. So, uh, update on the Huskies and how you're doing? Yeah, I feel the same way. We Huskies finished the season ten and two. A uh, little disappointed we didn't get a chance at the uh, Pac-12 championship to get back-to-back opportunities at that. Um, but uh, at the same time, we were very fortunate to finish the year winning the Apple Cup, beating the rivals of Washington State, the Cougars, which is always a big deal anytime you can beat your rival, and uh, ended on a very good note, a very strong performance against against Wazoo. And in turn, I think uh, we kind of caught the attention of the bowl selection committee, and we made yeah. a New Year's Six bowl game, the Fiesta Bowl, down in Arizona, so we get a chance to go down and get some sunshine which, as you know, in the Northwest this time of year, yep. we don't see sunshine. Oh, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm new to that, and so <laughs> uh, I'm just getting accustomed to that. But um, So we get to spend our, our holidays essentially together as a team down in Scottsdale, Arizona, and then get to play in the Fiesta Bowl December 30th against a very good 10-win Penn State team that happens to feature one of the top running backs in the country, uh, if not the top running back in the country, according to a lot of analysts, uh, mm-hmm. specifically Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper, who have Saquon Barkley of Penn State as the top-rated running back coming out this year as far as the draft is concerned. Yeah. Uh, they've got a great quarterback, uh, good receiving core, great tight end, very good defense. So it's going to be a really good matchup for us. And uh, just excited, man, just excited to be yeah. a part of this whole bowl process. This is the first time that I've got an opportunity as a coach to be involved in, in a bowl game and to be involved in a the Fiesta Bowl, a New Year's Six Bowl. That, that'll be a fun deal. It'll be a great way to take in the, the new year. It's, it's pretty crazy to think that, like, even for us, so we're, we're kids in the 80s and in the early 90s, we're kids waking up on New Year's Day. And back then, every single bowl it felt like, and maybe it's not quite true, maybe the Blue Bonnet Bowl wasn't on New Year's Day, but every other <laughs> major bowl, like you, I can remember you and I, mom and dad, going to everybody, somebody was hosting the New Year's Day bowl party. And you'd show up, say, at the Boyle's house or the Keeter's house, our godparents' houses. And you knew you had like nine bowl games to watch. And it was always going to be, at the end of the day, the Rose, the Sugar, the Orange, and the Fiesta. We can dive into what the hell happened to New Year's Day bowl games because now you're on the 30th, even though you're in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, But the fact that you're in one of those now is crazy. Uh, You know, I I can remember watching – Notre Dame, Colorado in a bowl game. That was a Fiesta Bowl. Like all those those crazy things, and now you get to coach one. It's a pretty cool deal. It is. It really is, man. I'm looking forward to just the experience, the week-long experience, all the different events that uh, the team gets to be a part of leading up to it. Uh, But then to actually, like you're saying, be a part of a bowl game that everybody in the country potentially could be watching on that day. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's a fun feeling. 
and uh, the Fiesta Bowl. I mean, again, the tradition, some of the the previous games, uh, Boise State, Oklahoma comes to yeah. mind, yeah. Um, which happens to be you know our head coach Chris Peterson. That was his inaugural year as a head coach at Boise State, and they go down and beat Oklahoma. The Fighting Zabranskis. Uh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. The, uh, what was it? The Statue of Liberty play to win the yeah. game. Yeah. Then Ian Johnson proposes to his girlfriend right afterwards. I mean, yep. just there's so much uh, history when it comes to these bowl games. And, and you know, like you mentioned, just uh, those New Year's Day games that growing up as a kid, you, you wake up and you know you're scheduled for however many games throughout the day, in Orange Bowl, Rose Bowl in particular. But you can just think back to some of those great moments in some mm-hmm. of those bowl games. You know, the the Rocket Ismail Oh, uh, all the clip. Oh. And, and it got and it gets called back against Colorado. Yep. Um I, I remember sitting in our basement watching that game and, and you almost in tears. Oh, me I was celebrating. Don't sell it short. <laughs> I was crying. His, his head was in front. His head was in front. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean so this time of year is awesome. It really yeah. is. It's, it's a great tradition, but as you mentioned, man, traditions changed a little bit with this bowl uh-huh. schedule. It's starting with the bowl games this past weekend on Saturday was really the kickoff of the bowl games and it yeah. extends through basically the month, the rest of the month of December and then into the January 1st day. And there's really only what, four or five games yeah. on New Year's Day nowadays. Uh-huh. And somehow, I don't know how this is possible. All these good, the, the huge games, the Rose, the Fiesta, the Orange, they're getting moved around and kind of shuffled. But the damn mm-hmm. Capital One Bowl or the Gator Bowl. <laughs> With the Big Ten and the SEC and their fifth place teams doing battle is still on. Yeah, that's the <laughs> one game you can still turn on after New Year's Eve. There they are. There they fifth are. Fifth place yeah. Purdue versus you know Mississippi State, and somehow, <laughs> some way, that's still on New Year's Day. I don't get it. <laughs> I, I don't. Uh, you're exactly right. I don't understand it. I don't know how it works. I know it has a lot to do with money and sponsors and who pays for what, but yeah. it is it kind of takes away from a little bit of the grandioso feeling of the bowl game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, for example, I'm looking at these two teams, Florida Atlantic, yeah, who had a great year, and to end their great year, they're going to Boca Raton, which is right there. I mean, they're playing a <laughs> home game, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And they're playing against Akron, and I, I'm – Anxious to see what kind of crowd that that game right. gets on December nineteenth, which happens to be tomorrow on a Tuesday. I I can't, and it's going to be on ESPN. And I would love to see the little ticker that counts how many people are watching. I would love mm-hmm. to see the high water mark of that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Or uh, what was it? Saturday's Raycom Media Camellia Bowl. <laughs> Middle Tennessee versus Arkansas State. And it ended up being a great game, 35-30, to 30, yeah. final score. I'll be honest, I watched zero minutes of it. Zero minutes. Zero. When, when do you think the shift was? Because when all, we were growing up, all these, game, all these bowls had, like, they had names that weren't sponsorship names. Mm-hmm. They were the exactly. Orange, the Sugar, the Gator, the Blue Bonnet, the Liberty, the, the, Al, the, El, the you know, Alamo, the Holiday. Right. Yes. Yep. And you knew them by then. And then they're like, okay, here is the Nokia Sugar Bowl. Okay, I'm kind of in on that. We're good. Mm-hmm. But now they just threw out the names in general, and it's just companies' names. I don't <laughs> yeah. understand. Someone would have to show me the graphics in the charts 
that show if we put our name on a bowl between Middle Tennessee State and Arkansas State, it's going to generate X amount of sales for us over yeah. here at Techron Inc. The Techron exactly. Inc. bowl. I, I just don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. I, I don't either. I really don't. And to be honest with you, there's a lot of there's viewers that aren't buying it, and there's <laughs> yeah. uh, fans that aren't buying it, and in in turn, ticket sales are down, and so you're losing some bowls. Yep. The poinsettia yep. bowl, I believe, is no longer in existence or not taking place this year because they couldn't get enough people to right. to buy into um, their bowl game. There, I mean, you watch some of these bowl games. You watch, you look up in the crowd, and yeah, you're gonna see what's happening because of, I think, because it's spread out by, for so long. Mm-hmm. And and there's so many of them. It's just watering down, in yes, my opinion. Agreed. Uh, it takes away from what really is a special season that got you into a great, you know, into a position to be a, a bowl-eligible team. Right. Nowadays, all you need is the six wins, and you're going to a, potentially a bowl game. You could be six right. and six and go into a bowl game. That, to me, is just – that's too much. That's it's way too much. And I get from a coaching standpoint, and you can probably speak this better. Hey, we got to play our, we got to practice our freshmen and our red shirts a lot more. I get that benefit. I mm-hmm. don't get the benefit for anyone else involved. The band <laughs> has got to go to this bowl game or, you know, the administrative staff at, you know, Tennessee tech XU has to put together mm-hmm. flight plans for 14 fans that want to yeah. go see play in Lansing, Michigan. Yeah, you know, I, just, I don't. On, I don't, I don't on, get it. on Christmas Day, or not necessarily Christmas Day, but on December twenty third, or December twenty right. sixth, or December twenty seventh, yeah. or the twenty eighth, and yeah. you're practicing on Christmas Day, or you're traveling on that day, or whatever it may be, and all all those people that you just mentioned are all having to be a part of that. Yep. And uh, yeah, I, I just there's got to be a better way. It really to. does. And, and um, you can, to me, you can keep the 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 major bowl games as far as the playoffs are concerned. If you want to go four, maybe talk about an eighteen playoff. That's a whole yeah. other conversation, a whole long podcast. Yeah. But to me, if you're not part of the big games, why not get them done right after Thanksgiving uh-huh. weekend or right. whatever whatever weekend right afterwards? So it's not a long drawn out process, and these kids can right. continue to be students and finish their semester or their quarter, whatever it may be, and be done with football for the semester, right. and move on, have a holiday break, and just go be normal student athletes for for two three weeks. And then we don't have to hear that. Well, you know, we've had a four week layoff. That's why the quality of the bowl game was bad. <laughs> then why exactly. do the four week layoff? And why do the don't four week layoff? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Hey, speaking of, there's got to be a better way. You know, I, I well, I've got to bring this up to a football coach and people out there that watch the, the Sunday the NFL game. Oh program. yeah. We'll start with the atrocity that happened to the Steelers, and I don't even like the Steelers. Like I, I really don't care for the Steelers, but I mm-hmm. despise the Patriots more. Yes. And the fact that that touchdown catch from Jesse James was not ruled a catch, and we had to listen to one. He didn't survive the process of the – he didn't survive the ground or something. And then we had to listen to the hot take, the Patriots did it again. Oh, did they? <laughs> they, they planned on the worst rule in football, helping them out on December 17, 2017. Or Belichick exactly. Juju 82 yards on a crossing route. That's exactly. what he planned. Yeah, they, like, they planned that, that out. That, 
I start with the rule. I think it's asinine, mm-hmm. and then talk about the. There's no such thing as luck for the Patriots, really, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, first off, on the on the rule, on the, that is a catch. You watch yes. that. I don't care what the is actually written in the yeah. rule book, which I've yet to ever see. As long as I've played this game of football, I've actually <laughs> never seen the actual rule book of football. Yeah. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. I've yeah. never looked at it. I can guarantee there's a majority of us coaches that have never actually seen it, looked at it, read it. Yeah. So yeah. by the naked eye, by anyone that watches the game and appreciates football for what it is, everyone knows that that was a catch. Yep. And hey, they what need about to this? change whatever rule. However they do it, they need to if it's if it's truly a rule, then they need to change it and make sure that yep. right there that is defined as a catch. Here's my here's my here's my proposal, and I'm stealing it, so I'm going to give full credit to Bill Barnwell on ESPN.com. Listen to this, because the NFL has tried to redefine catch how many times, right? As a Cowboys mm-hmm. fan, hashtag Des caught it. I know all about it. It's bullshit. Oh yeah. But here's what we do. Here here's my proposal, and I'm stealing it from Bill Barnwell, ESPN.com, giving him full credit, NFL writer. Here's how you solve the catch controversy. Take out the rules, the, the written rules with all these bullet points of the elbow to the BS. We're going to call it the Common Sense Committee. And I get 25 former receivers, 25 former DBs. And they all have access, which we have technology nowadays. And on the days of the game, and if a catch is under review from a game, they get their feed, they get to watch it from three angles, and they have a minute to say, catch. No catch. And you take the summary majority opinion of human common sense. Did he catch it? Did he not catch it? Not the out-of-bounds rulings, just like, oh, the bobble or the all that nonsense. Did he catch it or he didn't catch it? And then it's human beings. Like, they would have voted. Even a DB would have said, oh, he, he caught that goddamn ball in pit. Mm-hmm. He caught it. He scored. We move on. Instead yeah. of this BS where the refs got to have a dictionary and have to go point by point. And take out like you can like that get that in real time. That's a catch. That that's exactly, and that's what bothers me the most is that in real time, I don't care who yep. you are. You you should be saying that is a catch. That's a touchdown. They at least get the ball in the damn one yard line or whatever yes. it is. They're in great position, scoring position. That to me is the problem with instant replays. When it goes my way, yeah. Whether it's, whether it's as a fan or as a coach, I appreciate instant replay. There are times where I almost feel like we need to get rid of it altogether because of situations like that, where all of a sudden someone can challenge it or however it works out, yeah. and now all of a sudden this this rule of, of whatever comes into play, and they yeah. have to go by this specific, terrible, outlandish, old right. rule that is so out of – just ridiculous – yeah, um, and then okay, take take in now go from that game to the Cowboys game. As a Cowboy fan, we absolutely benefited from this stupid rule where Derek Carr stretching for the end zone. Jeff Heath makes the first play of his career. As a Cowboys mm-hmm. fan that's hated Jeff Heath for a long time, I, I congratulate him for proving me wrong. Mm-hmm. Knocks the ball out of Derek Carr's hand, goes through the end zone, and suddenly, not only is Derek Carr punished after getting a first down and damn near scoring, they lose the ball. It's Cowboys yeah. ball, game over. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. how ridiculous! And I, I, I was super happy. Don't get me wrong, but that's a terrible rule. That is one of the worst rules in sports. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you to a certain extent. I think just it because it, it comes down to the bottom line: don't fumble the ball. Yeah, if you don't fumble the ball, you don't lose it. So, so if Derek Carr, 
if he, I love his effort. He's yeah. doing the right thing. But if, as he's reaching out, doesn't fumble the ball, everything's all good and great. He's a hero because he's puts them in a great position to win that game and had already done so by the drive that he had put together. But flat out, I mean, he, I, I don't like disagree with the rule. They didn't, Cowboys didn't recover the ball. It's not like but they that, earned it back themselves. If it goes out of bounds to the sideline, it's still Raider ball. True. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good point. What if, how about that's this? A good point. What about you fumble out of the end zone, the down count? So let's say it was second down. You fumbled out of the end zone. You got to go back to the 20. It's third down. Your ball still, mm-hmm. but go, the defense is rewarded. Go back, to the, go back to the original line of scrimmage. Yeah, just go back. See ya. So it's third down now. Great effort, but you're going backwards. Mm-hmm. Defense, you don't get it, but you're also rewarded with that. You stopped them on that play. They, so you mm-hmm. still can't get offense, still can't throw it forward. You just yeah. gotta go back and lose a down. I just I don't I don't agree with the part. I know what you're saying. Don't lose the damn ball. But if the defense fell on it, I get it. But they didn't. They didn't get it either. So why should they get the ball? Mm-hmm. It's I that one and it's tough. It's happened like five times in the NFL this year. It has. It has. It's been and again, it, it all depends on who you're rooting for. In your case, you obviously yep. are happy at the end of the result. Raider fans are are on yep. your side. Um, Seahawks and Rams early in the year. I was rooting because yeah. I wanted the Seahawks to win that game and that that benefit. Yeah. But it, it happens all the time. Yeah. Um, and so it, I think that is a that's a rule that can definitely be looked at. I think that the NFL usually does a pretty good job of of going back and and trying to come up with new ways to make sure the game is is fair. Yeah. And that there aren't any rules that are essentially outdated. That need to be changed. Mm-hmm. The catch rule, however, is one that they have miserably failed, right. and need to make up for that. Um, and I think overall, I think instant replay needs to re- be reviewed again, and just to Wouldn't see what like exactly. When somebody argues that the catch rule works, wouldn't you just love to hear that? Like, there's obviously there's yeah. a competition committee, and somebody has stood up the last three four years and said, "Oh, I think it's great. Here's why." Like, I would love to hear that person. Either they're super smart or it's like, this is beyond ridiculous. And what's what's bothersome sometimes about the the NFL in football in general is that rules change from level to level. Yeah, yeah. So college has kind of a different set of rules, especially when it comes to the catch rule. Yeah. Um, high school's got a different set of rules. So, what? Wh- where exactly is this Bible? Yeah, yeah. Bible that that is determining exactly how this game should be played and needs to be played or, or officiated. Right. And there needs to be some kind of way that we can make it as consistent across the board as possible. The catch rule, though, is just outlandish and is is costing potentially the Steelers. A, that's a big what game. Is, I think that just turned. I mean, that just guaranteed they have to go to New England. They won't win there. No, they have not proven to be able to do that ever right. Right. in the past. And, and they need to hope for somehow that the Patriots tank the last two games right. of the year, which, you know, they won't. Right. Um, and those people out for there. That, for the game that's as for a game that was as good as it was to end because of that. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's unfortunate. And then obviously you, you could still, if you're a Patriots fan, you could argue, well, Steelers still had a chance to to tie the game or win the game, regardless of that call. If Roethlisberger yeah. doesn't throw a pick in the end zone at the end of the game, right? But then again, I mean, yes, but they should have had to do it. Yeah, I mean, the answer no, wasn't no Bill question. Belichick's plan for the call to get reversed <laughs> and Ben Roethlisberger, <laughs> and then he goats Ben Roethlisberger. You can't throw slants on the Patriots at the goal line, really. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I saw some of those those tweets about this. Oh, it's just like the Super Bowl. They're oh. just too good. It's like, come on, guys. Oh, Jesus. 
first yeah. off, there's there is luck. Yes, Obviously, yes. the luck for the Patriots in that regard is is the officiating right. that yeah. <laughs> led them to be in the position that they were in the first place to even come close to picking off that slant or, or um, right. And then it's Roethlisberger making the decision to not right. just spike the ball and kick the field goal in the first place, right? So no, Belichick that had nothing to do with that. Yeah. Last that point. wasn't on the whiteboard on Thursday. Here's uh, what's going to happen. No. We're going to get fan into a fake spike, and then we'll pick off the slant. Yes, oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Stop yeah. it. Yeah. Just stop it already. <laughs> I know Belichick is a, is a football genius in a lot of different ways, right. but by no means is he, is he literally using the force and making sure <laughs> that, that everything is going the right way. Right. Exactly. Like, where was Did he just take the force off? When Juju went seventy-five yards on a three-yard crossing route, no, he just he, decided to pull it he off. Decided, yeah, he he knew what was going to happen. He knew the end result, right? Because he's so balanced with the force. He Speaking knew of the, the end force. result. Speaking of the force, we we will be back with another segment here about the force. Oh, there's no question. You know what? Exactly. Uh, but I want to stay with this NFL thing because this just came up today, okay. and this has been bothering me a little bit we're, when we're talking about rules. Yeah, and. We're talking about targeting, ejections, things yeah. of that nature, right? And there's a big debate out there, and, and everyone's – it's a hot topic, and you hear all the hot takes, and, and you read some of the uh, Twitter and, and yeah. whatnot as far as after every one of these big hits and these penalties and this, that, and this. The one that I want to specifically target in, in is the Gronkowski, since we're talking about yeah. the Patriots. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we're talking about Gronkowski, the Gronk elbow to the back of the head. Yep. There is nobody out there. <laughs> I don't care who you are. If you're a Patriots fan, you cannot tell me that that didn't deserve more than a one-game suspension. Uh-huh. 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 In comparison, if you're if you're comparing it to the other the Juju Smith or Juju right. Schuster Smith's block yep. on Montez Perfect the week later yep. that received the same one-game penalty, right now. Just today, the penalty that was uh, given to Thomas Davis of the Carolina Panthers yep. for his crack back block, essentially, right. that uh, took out, I forgot the, the guy. Adams. Yes. Yep. For the Green Bay Packers. Yep. And immediately, you could see the remorse in Thomas Davis. Mm-hmm. You could see him just upset with himself for delivering the blow. Right. But... That was an actual football play yes. that both himself and Schuster Smith yep. were performing. That is yep. part of the game. It's part of the game that we're trying to eliminate. Yeah. It's part of the game that we're trying to, to teach our players not to do Yeah, and try to avoid as much as we possibly can. But that is a part of the game. That is a football yep. play. Yep. Gronkowski's play was straight WWE. Yep. Yeah, it was money bullshit yep and for him to receive a one game suspension just like juju smith right but thomas davis gets two games right for his block that is absolutely absurd mm-hmm. how does that occur and That's i can well, another one i, I want to be a fly on the room when the nfl makes that decision because some human being said i think we should give thomas davis more games than we gave rob gankowski and yeah. There had to be another person in the room that either said yes, I agree, or are you sure? Yeah, and explain to me. Somebody explain. Yes, I would love that explanation as well. Yep. We'll never get it. 
No. But I'd love to hear it. I'd love I would love to sit in that room and, and argue with that person. Yep. That has the audacity to tell me that Thomas Davis's actual football play yep. that resulted in an injury in is again part of the game that we want to try and eliminate. Yeah. But it's by no means intending no, uh-uh. to injure someone. Right. Gronkowski, on the other hand, was intending to inflict bodily harm yep. on that opposing player. Yep. Strictly because the opposing player had locked him down and intercepted <laughs> the pass. Right. And it's and he it's took out of, his anger on this on this individual by dropping an, a gronk elbow to the back of his head, yep. resulting in a concussion. And you can easily you could just go with Thomas Davis's action, the amount of like the 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 time it takes for his brain to 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 choose that football play is fraction of a second, right? Mm-hmm. Gronkowski had multiple seconds for his brain yes. to put together anger plus target plus yes. vulnerable plus here I go over there. Thomas Davis is in like fractions of a second reaction yes. that players do in the in the action of the game. That that's it's that's asinine. It's 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 Gronkowski's is no different than a punch thrown. It's assault. Yeah, absolutely. You could assault. not do what Gronkowski did. In any other for any other place on earth, and it was no longer football. It, exactly. was, it wasn't a football play. Like Thomas Davis's only happens on a football field. Gronkowski's is I saw this guy on the sidewalk, and I mm-hmm. wanted to go people's elbow him. Yeah. I saw this guy. You know what I mean? Like I'm in, exactly. just in a fight, in a brawl. Exactly. After someone else had taken this guy down, that's the worst right. part about it. Could you imagine yep. the reaction of people around a bar fight? Oh yeah. Where two guys are going at it, maybe three guys, whatever it may be. One guy takes this other guy down, and then out of nowhere, the other the guy's buddy, yeah, comes out of nowhere and drops his elbow on the back of his neck, the back oh, of his head. Criminal case, yeah, it'd be a criminal case. That's assault. Yep, absolutely. But Gronk can do it because he's just big Gronk. It's just Gronk, and he and people uh, defend Gronk. They defend uh, him because oh, you know, he's just he's so competitive. Yeah, he's just so competitive. He, uh, his competitive spirit got the best of him. Right. What? That's, Are you kidding me? But but their competitive but, but, spirit can never get the best of anybody else. Yeah, but Juju. Yeah. That's well, a cheap and, shot. That's uh, a terrible shot. That's a monster shot when it's right. it's part of the game. He's he's throwing a block that was essential for his player to get extra yep. yards, which is part of the game. That's that's right. what you do. That's how you win games. Right. It's part of the game. Even a locust hit on Antonio Brown in the end zone. What was so bad about that hit? It's a safety yeah, exactly. to knock the ball out of the hands. Real Again, time, fraction of a second. What exactly. Was, we're losing their minds. It was a good hit. That, that, that's part of the game. Right. It's part of, unfortunately, it is, the game is a dangerous game. Yep. And, and I want to say, who is it? The Steelers safety, Mike Mitchell? Uh-huh. Yeah, he had a good had rant. A great, great rant. Right. That essentially saying, we all chose to play this game. We all love this game because of what it is what makes this game different and unique. Yeah. And yet now we can't play it the way we want to play it because we're perceived as monsters if we, if we do. Right. right. And that's unfortunate. It mm-hmm. really is. And, and don't it, get me wrong. I understand that, that uh, everything uh, with the CTE and everything that's coming out and all that uh, potential dangers that this game has, but these men chose to play this game. I chose to play this game for as long as I did and and Uh would have continued to play the game a a lot longer if the opportunity had been there. Right. And 
would have no regrets coming back and saying, yeah, I would go and play it in a heartbeat. I'd go put yeah. a helmet on and sh- shoulder pads and go try and strike somebody right now yeah. if I could. Right. Because that it's just that's part of the game. That's what we love to do. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's unfortunate that uh, I just hate the perception that that people are, are trying to throw it at some of these players for just doing things that are part of the game. Yeah, no, that's a good way to put it. Holidays, uh, Kane and I were talking, and there's so much. There's a ton of tradition around the holiday times, and I'm sure people out there listening, your families, your friends. You have a bunch of stuff that you've always done around Thanksgiving, around Christmas, around New Year's. But Kane and I got to thinking, and we're the same way. There's a ton of stuff that we've always done, but there's a lot of things that make me go, why? You know, <laughs> things that make you go, when, what, who, who made that decision that that's why we do what we do? So <laughs> let me give you an example. Kane and I growing up, we always were new Christmas Eve gift openers. Everybody's yes. fam at our house, 1317 Bitterroot, we always open Christmas Eve every single present. And then in the morning, mom and dad would put a freaking bed sheet up on the staircase and we passed <laughs> the, the bed sheet because they were getting stuff ready. And I'm doing air quotes, even though it's an audio show. <laughs> and really, they were getting the Santa gifts ready. We were just too dumb. We'll get to that later, how we didn't put that together early in life that that was Santa. But then suddenly, Ken, I don't know if you remember why or who we just flipped into Christmas Day family. Like suddenly, just I don't know. I was twelve, and what? We got to wait till tomorrow. We only get one tonight. Who the hell made that decision? Who was the competition committee on that one? And Seriously, that's my that's a, for my first things that make you go, why are we exactly? Different? Exactly. Who who decides that? When did they decide it? And every family is a little bit different when it comes to opening gifts. That's the other thing that I, that I've known or, or um, witnessed since expanding. Uh, <laughs> everyone knows what I'm talking about. When you start yep. expanding who you're spending your Christmas with, and you start to f- see these different holiday traditions uh, when it comes to opening gifts in particular. Uh, our family, like Kip said, we started as Christmas Eve, then we went to Christmas Day, and our Christmas Day holiday gift opening usually lasted a good two, three hours, and usually didn't take place till <laughs> till noon, yeah. if not later. Right. So that I know bugged the crap out of everybody that was spending the holidays with us. Yes. Because they, number one can, on that list of pissed off. When yes. are we opening presents? It's four p.m. Your dad's still <laughs> on his lazy boy. No one's opened a present. Very true. Exactly. Very true. Exactly. Then you got other families that when they open gifts, there's certain orders that they open open gifts in, whether it's the youngest yep. uh, based on birthdays always opens first, or it's ev- the worst one that I've been a part of was a damn free-for-all. Well, just where go. everybody's just freaking going. Yeah. Everybody just grabs a gift. They've got a gift, and they're just going. And I'm sitting there waiting for a specific order, and everyone's just opening gifts, and I'm going, "What? What, what is this? System. This, this is flat out chaos. This is chaos. <laughs> what? How do you how do you say please or thank yous and I, and all, I mean, our fan. That's why we take so long is because we literally we watch everyone open their gift, and we watch them. They got to read on the little note. This yep. is from so and so. I can't wait to see what it is, even though you really know what it is. So, yep. 
and then you open it and you got to say your thank yous and then everyone gets up and hugs each other. That's why it's the <laughs> longest gift unra- unveiling in the history of Christmas. Behind. You know why I got you that gift? Let me yeah. give you a three-minute synopsis <laughs> of what I was thinking when I got exactly. you that gift. Exactly. No, I, uh, I, but I want, do you think anyone out there can answer why they choose Christmas Eve or why they choose Christmas Day? That's, I, I want to know. Is and there a pros you, and cons list that I don't? I don't know the pros and cons. What are the pros and cons? <laughs> I, I bet we could come up with them because well, we've been on both sides. We've probably, been on both sides because I I think it's one of the biggest. And here's another one. Now I got three kids. Okay, you're engaged. You're going to be on this train later on in life. When do I get to just? Am I now officially able to say, you know what, guys? The hell with this. Dad says we're going back to Christmas Eve opening. Yeah. Do I get to say that because I'm 38 years old or does like our dad still have that veto power? Or yeah. Take over well, that's, the house? that's a great question. That's Maybe a I great question. Here. Veto. Yeah. We're going tonight. <laughs> and at what, point, at what point can you just say, you know what? Because I'm going through this kind of now with my fiance's family where it's, hey, we're, we're just going to do one gift per person. Kind of like the uh, what you call it, um, the, the secret Santa. Yeah, secret like, Santa. Santa mm-hmm. But it's not a secret. Like you know who your Santa is. Uh-huh. They're gonna get you the gift, and and yep. so you only get really one gift from each other, which totally makes sense when it comes to economically speaking. Right, right, right. Totally right. makes sense. But again, who makes that decision? Is there yep. a committee? Now that I, why can't I have a say in this? Because I'm oh, part yeah. of the family now. Can I? Can I say? Hey, I I actually would like everybody to. Buy me as many gifts as you possibly want. (laughs) If you feel a sense that you want to get me a gift, I'm not going to say no. Hey, I'll tell you what it is on our end, on the Sorensen end, my wife's family, because we're going to their place. It's an email chain where the Mm. date rages over what we should, what should be the setup of the gift giving. And I too, in one of those, I say, we just buy stuff, you know, like, Hey, I'm going to buy you a gift or I might not buy you a gift. We'll see what happens. Exactly. And I'm mature enough that if you don't buy me a gift, I'm good. Exactly. And I'm not going to take it. Like, but we have, a, like, we have a very specific structure that I do not. And I've been in the family now since 2000, 2000 and I still don't have a say. They yeah. give me an email response. When's this I, meeting taking place that you don't get a say in? When is that? That's interesting. Why is it, this makes me say, why isn't Christmas dinner as important to people as Thanksgiving dinner? Like Mm -hmm. some people I know have a Christmas dinner. Us growing up, man, we might be at the steakhouse. We might be on on taquitos watching the Blue Bonnet Bowl. You know, it it didn't have the same effect as anybody, any other dinner. No, no, that, you're exactly right. And is it Christmas Day dinner? Is it Christmas Eve dinner? There's another conundrum right there. Which 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 night do you have the big dinner? And again, we've had multiple uh-huh. times where it's been Christmas Eve. We go out to eat. Sometimes it's Christmas Eve. We're doing prime rib. Sometimes it's uh, hey boys, you, know, you it's, want burgers on the grill? Why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> why not? You know, such and such, we got this bowl game on. We got to be home at whatever time. Let's just right. order in. Let's just get some pizza and order in and, and have a great time watching the bowl game on Christmas Eve. 
Yep. Well, I'll tell you what Kelly's family does, and you've experienced this, having had a couple uh, great Christmases with the Sorensen Gar clan. They That's right. They have a tradition that I would love to hear one of them explain who started it. They go bread bowl clam chowder every Christmas Eve. I it, re- it's, I, it's a good, I it's a great that. meal, but who associates Christmas with bread bowl <laughs> clam chowder? Somebody did. <laughs> Somebody back in the day totally went clam chowder, mm-hmm. and you know what? That's tradition from this point on. Exactly. I, it had to have been so good that somebody in their family said, you know what? Lock this in. <laughs> Let's do this <laughs> every year from here on out. This is what we're having on Christmas Eve. Again, it, it was Christmas yeah. Eve. It's not Christmas Day. No. Christmas Day is, is leftovers and, and whatever else right. or you know whatever random other traditions you want to make up. Right. But yeah. Yeah. That, that it, it, I tell you what, but I tell you, that tradition might be in trouble, not because it's not good. It tastes great because my three kids, oh, if, they boy. Get Kelly, if they get my nephew, Elliot, who's just, he's only a year old, if they get him on board, because I know my three are way out on soup and bread bowl. So <laughs> if they start throwing a, re- a revolution, I mean, we're being in trouble. Yeah, we might be yeah. having to go chicken strips and fries <laughs> or pizza because my three are not doing clam chowder bread bowl. On you're saying that, yeah, you're saying that tradition may end but at see, some when, point. When will they be in a position to influence it? Not, yeah. right now they're not. They're working mm-hmm. on it, but they're not. Okay. <laughs> right, I got another uh, one for you. Where, who decided, and this might be a corporation somewhere. Let's just go again. The, mu- the Christmas Music Committee. Who decided oh, yeah. that every Christmas album is going to have the same 12 songs? Like, I want you to think to yourself out there listening to us. You know, White Christmas, First Noel, Jingle Bell, Silent Night. But you don't yep. ever get, like, you know what I just put out? My name's Taylor Swift, and I just wrote three new Christmas songs that no one's heard before. Horseshit. Pandemonium in the street. It doesn't happen. Doesn't it do it. Does Nobody does it. It Why? does not why? That's a great question. And who knows? Maybe it has happened in the past. Maybe there has been that bold artist out there that is came up with the greatest Christmas song that we've we will never hear because this whatever powers that be yeah. decided no, that can't happen. You either remake Drummer Boy or right. we're not selling your album. Period. But let me ask you this: Do you know who first dropped Jingle Bells? you know like who is the original like holy holy you know what chuck jones wrote this new song have you guys heard it it's called jingle bells (laughs) like who did that Uh, i don't know that's a great question that's a great question i'm sure there's somebody out there that that uh, will either claim it or claim that they know the original jingle bells because there are different versions Uh uh-huh there of every song because it, like you said if you're here's the thing along those lines if you're if you're a great artist you better have a christmas album or, or at some point in your time you're not great actually christmas uh redid a christmas song of some sort yep because yeah. if you if you didn't who are you yep you're nothing you didn't make it i think you haven't made it i think that's of the proof like the the final domino in your greatness is when mm-hmm. you can just remix 12 Christmas classics and you sell a million. Yeah. That's when you know you've made it. Like everyone from obviously Mariah Carey, but see Mariah Carey might be the exception because she mm-hmm. wrote All I Want for Christmas and everyone and loves that. Somehow it's on the list now. Right? Somehow right. it's on the acceptable playlist 
for Christmas songs. And How she got that like, done, I don't know. Does Halsey, does she remake All I Want for Christmas? Mm. Does like Rihanna do an All I Want for Christmas on her Christmas album? And mm. Mariah Carey, still being alive, loses her mind? I don't know these <laughs> things. But you're right. That's like a new song. That is now on the list. Right. Which is now, to me, Mariah Carey just went up so many levels as far as her greatness is concerned yep. in my eyes because she has a Christmas song that somehow made the list that uh-huh. will forever be played. That's amazing. And I, you, I, that's our new thing. People out there listening, you can tweet us. You can tweet at us. You can email us. If you know who originally wrote any of the classics, like, hey, listen, dummies, Beethoven wrote Silent Night in 1500. <laughs> we would love to know. Which is great. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I just want that information. What if one person is like the Christmas composer? What if there's <laughs> one human that was, you know, 1800s? Like in the Civil War era, were they singing Jingle Bells? I don't it's, know these things. Uh, I, it's like, uh, it, I bet there's just a, a, there might be a conspiracy theory out there. Yes. There might be something to do with the, who, who is it? The uh, the Masons or who's that? Uh, yeah, Freemasons. Secret. The, the secret Illuminati. Society, the Illuminati. Yep. Are they somehow in control of, of all these Christmas songs? I, I, I want to know. I want to know why I can't go to a, a Christmas kids pageant, yep. a, a elementary school pageant, Christmas pageant, and not hear the same songs. Exactly. I want to see I want to see a third grade teacher write his own Christmas song for his kids to sing at the Christmas pageant and just see what happens. Are you see prepared if he actually a, makes it? I hope you're prepared for a riot. Exactly. Parents with iPads going, what the hell is what this? What is this? Because <laughs> I've been to those. I've been to those, bro. And it's only Silent Night, White Christmas, and if they're feeling crazy, here comes Santa Claus. Yeah. It's the same ones that we sang. Yes. On the risers, and they warn you not to lock your knees out because you'll, <laughs> pass, you'll out. pass out. And I know a, a kindergartner named Nate Crabtree at Bear Tooth <laughs> Elementary, he did pass the F out. I, I, I saw the same that. thing. He went yes. flat back, night, night. Boom. <laughs> and we were trying to sing the first Noel, which I can't. Okay, 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 okay. Here's another one. Things that make you go, why? Okay. What are the actual words to, si- to uh, is it Silent Night or is it, oh, no, I'm thinking of the New Year's Eve song, Old mm-hmm. Anxiety or whatever the hell it is. Does anyone know the words? <laughs> no. Or do you just no. sing along? You just you hum along, you somewhat sing along, but you yeah. don't really know what what the song is. No, there's no way. I just no. here's another one. I think like if every Christmas year, like Christmas time, you were excited for artists to drop a new Christmas album with new songs, I mm-hmm. think that would kill. And I would love it at my Christmas tree gift opening that mom wasn't playing Johnny Mathis Christmas. I'd love to not hear Johnny Mathis anymore. I'd love to tell his house not to hear John Denver Christmas. I want to hear Kanye's Christmas album. Hey, no, I'm, I'm with you 100%. The only, the only song that I, I will I will continue to listen to over and over again, I don't care what day, month, or time of year it is, is the, act, the Christmas song from yeah. Nat King Cole. Yes, the Christmas yes. song. Just roasting on open fire. I will listen to that every day of the week for as long as I live because that is a great song. Oh, and I, I will. I want to say that's an original. I'm not for sure on that. I'm not 100 percent if Nat King Cole just redid that or what. But I'm going to say it's original because that's how great I think it is. And you got to realize, everybody out there, that when you hear Nat King Cole sing it, it's only going to be about 10 minutes after that that Cassione is in. <laughs> 
And Jack <laughs> Ion's pretty good at singing, but he's going to sing it because Ronda Ion's going to tell him to 24 yes. times before he finally breaks down and does. Yes, and, he, and they're going to do it at a at one of our many Christmas parties that we throw throughout the holidays yep. that every one of them seem to be tradition, and every one of them landed on a different day, yep. landed for a, at a for a different reason, yep. and every year was some new theme, but dang it, we were going to party somehow. We were going to party. And, we were going to party. And, and we weren't going to not sing. Yeah. The Christmas song. <laughs> oh, Holiday man. traditions, man. You got to love them. You got to love them. All right. Uh, this last segment, we we had to do this one. There was no way we were going to avoid this. This was has been a big part of, of Kip and I for a long time. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, you talk about traditions. Uh, this is something that that goes way back to VHS days, way back to to watching the original Star Wars um, for the first time in in our basement and being hooked on it from that point on. And Star Wars premiere, the Last Jedi. Man, I, I kept. I mean, dollars in one weekend, two hundred twenty million dollars. And I don't care. Some of you out there might be going, oh, really? Come on. We're going to talk about Star Wars. I thought you guys were cool. I thought you guys were sports guys. I thought this was a a funny, fun podcast. What is this? Nerd con? Listen, okay? Those of you out there that that are going to judge us, judge all you want, I don't care. Star Wars is awesome. Lord of the Rings is awesome. Get over it. I'm a I'm an athletics sports junkie nut, but I also love my sci-fi trilogies, comics, superheroes. I I just can't help it. You can keep all of your super serious real world movies. Great for you. Yeah. I prefer, I prefer to go ahead and turn my brain off and jump into that galaxy far, far away (laughs) and mess around with the force. And Luke and Leia. So yeah. I, I'm unabashful in that. Yeah. I'm yeah. way in on it. We both got a chance to see it, yes? Yes, we did. And I will tell you we this. Did. I got to my theater 55 minutes early, mm. and I had two seats left to choose from in the theater. And they were Oof. both front row, and front row sucks. Remember front when you were a kid, and you're like, let's get there early. Let's go front. Front row sucks. Front row is the worst, and you do not want to go. It's the last seats that are ever taken. Yep. It's the last seats that are bought if you can pre-buy them. Right. You never want to go no, uh, to the front row. I still was excited to be at Star Wars. Yeah. Last Jedi. Luke was going to be back. I mean, let's, I mean, let's just jump into it, King. I mean, I there's so many things about the movie that I want to discuss. I haven't seen it for a second time yet, but I will. I'll probably see it mm. five times. But mm-hmm. – I the first thing I was very very impressed with how Adam Driver plays Kylo Ren. And mm-hmm. for you, if you guys don't know, Kylo Ren is the son of Han and Leia, and he's turned to the dark side. So he's really Ben Solo, but now he's got a bad name. That guy makes you feel like you go. For me, you go back and forth like, boy, I hate you, man. I I really want to get a lightsaber <laughs> through the face. And then on yeah. another scene. He does a good enough job, I think, showing the torment of being pulled between the two halves of himself. That I thought he was—he's not Darth Vader. Darth Vader is one of the greatest villains ever. 
but mm-hmm. he's a pretty he does a much better job than the freaking prequels and the different oh. bad guys they tried. This bad guy has staying power. I agree 100%, man. Kylo Ren, uh, I thought, was an awesome character in The Force Awakens. Yeah. I thought he did a great job of just introducing the character to us as an audience. Um, and I felt like this one, he really just, like you said, he, he torments with you yeah. as a fan. Because you want him to be on, the, you want him to come to the light side. You want it, you're rooting for him to come to the light side, and, and you're just you're you are just as torn and angry and upset with him as he is with everything else going on. Yeah. And I think when you when you think about everything that he's got going, the fact that he's got his mom and dad on the rebel side that are absolute heroes, legends, um, and then his grandfather. Yeah happens to be the biggest badass in the galaxy's universe but yep. on in the bad way. Yeah. And you've got just this complete war mm-hmm. inside of this guy and how do you live up to any of those expectations? If you go to the dark side, yeah. you got to live up to the biggest badass in dark side history that damn near destroyed an entire uh race of Jedi. Yeah. Or you go to the light side and you got to live up to your mom and dad, Princess Leia, who was 19 years old and was a princess. <laughs> and dominant and helping bring this rebellion to life as a 19 year old princess. Yeah. And then your dad, who ends up being one of the, the biggest um, stars in the yeah. galaxy or legends, and as reluctant as he may have been as far as the hero is concerned, yeah. Han Solo is, is one of the bigger characters in Star Wars history. So that Kylo Ren's got a lot to live up to when it's all said and done. I think he's doing a hell of a job uh, of playing both sides yeah. in that regard. I And we're trying not to do too many spoilers in this for people that haven't been out there. I do think it's harder for people our age and older that grew up when the original trilogy was at four, five, and six, right? Yep. New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi were fresh and new, and they started the phenomenon that is Star Wars. It's yep. harder for us, I think, to watch these two, seven and eight, because I think they're very well done. I think they're good. And I think the director is purposely trying to move it forward mm-hmm. past four, five, six. Like, hey, it was awesome. But Luke is freaking old, man. Han's mm-hmm. old. Leia's old. Chewie's old. Darth Vader's gone. So I think it does a great job doing that. And probably for younger kids, it's an awesome explosion forward. I think it's still hard for me to watch kind of the twilight of those characters without yeah. anything away like those well, characters they're they've written them to kind of pass the torch which is awesome that they're even exactly in them, but it's still hard to watch like luke's got a gray beard for god's sake like what is mm-hmm. this that's mm-hmm. freaking luke skywalker but at the same time they do it as about as well as you possibly can you got to move the thing forward that <laughs> it's and it's so funny because it as sports fans as well. Oh, that's a great parallel. We can relate to that. Yeah. We can totally relate to not wanting to give up the guy that you love the most growing yeah. up, like Michael yeah. Jordan for me. Yeah. Right. I was never gonna let Jordan not be the greatest player of all time. Right. And regardless of when he was suiting up for the Wizards at forty years old, yeah, and trying to trying to fend off the next generation of stars. Yeah. It was hard enough when he was 34, 35, 
winning championships. He was still, you could see, he was you know slowly but surely declining. And then when he comes back as a 40-year-old, similar to Skywalker coming back with his gray yeah. beard now, it's not going to be the same. Right. It's not going to be the same. And yeah. it's hard to not want to see Michael Jordan go out for the Wizards the same way he went out for the Bulls. Yeah. Just like it's hard to see Luke Skywalker the way he is now as opposed to what we still That's a great point. see him as uh, from the originals. Even visually, like if you if I, you know, like you mentioned Jordan, if I if I see Allen Iverson, my brain yep. takes me back to 2001 AI my yep. image of the MVP, and now you see him in real life. He's still he's still alive. He's that's Allen Iverson. And you're like, no, mm-hmm. not. Yeah, that, that doesn't look the same. And it's the yeah. same for Princess Leia. You know, that's I think that's a really hard thing for actresses in Hollywood. Like the, Carrie Fisher, before she passed away, was old. That was I mean, she, <laughs> she lived. She's 60 years old when she did this film. And you're like, that's not Princess Leia from Jabba the Hutt when she had on that outfit. What the hell? Han Solo looks ancient. Yeah, because he, yeah. <laughs> he is. Yeah, because he is old. But that's hard, you know, and it's it's not easy to see on the screen. And I'm sure that's because the movie's been it's been up and down critics reviews. And I think a lot of it. I bet I would be willing to bet that if it's older critics, they're probably mm-hmm. negative, and the younger critics mm-hmm. probably love it. Mm-hmm. And that's I think that's fair both ways. Yeah, and you know what I think I, I think is awesome about the movies is that they are trying to bring the old storylines with this new generation as far as there's so many parallels Mm -hmm. between the storylines of the old movies and the storylines of of the movies now Mm -hmm. for example you talk about luke skywalker and he's isolated himself from everybody he's reluctant to be a, the master and, and the teacher of yeah. this next generation of Jedi's because of the mistakes that he felt he's made in the past is very similar to the Obi-Wan Kenobi yeah. in the originals where he was isolated from everybody. They had to suit or trying to seek him out to find yeah. this old Ben and then they find him and he's reluctant to come back and help and he's reluctant to teach the next generation of Jedi yeah. because he's worried about him doing the same or failing again as far as yeah. uh, Darth Vader, Anakin, and now Luke is the same with Ray and Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. It's, and then, I like the uh, I like the continuity in some aspects, like you're saying, especially you know you got first the First Order and the Empire and the previous ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also like that there's some new aspects to it. Like eh, that, I mean, my, without being a spoiler, there's a revelation in this one about Ray's parents mm-hmm. that everyone's kind of waiting to find out what Ray's parenting, you know, here her lineage, lineages, and yep. where they take that. I think is a refreshing avenue for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Where we go with it. it is different than they've done with some other characters in the past. But I do like the bits and pieces. Like you got this new setting, this new planet. There's some new equipment, and then the Millennium Falcon comes flying in, and you're like, yeah. "Yes!" Or the uh, what you call it the the base that they're on. And again, yeah. I don't want to give too way too much of of the movie away. Yeah. But the rebel base that they eventually that they find in the comparison to the Empire Strikes Back yep. in the very first scene and in, in the yep. Um, the trenches. Yep. Correct. Exactly. Uh, so again, I think there's some cool parallels in, in again, us Star Wars nerds that that have seen and, and 
love these movies from the very beginning beginning really appreciate some of those um just the how they're kind of honoring the old ones in a way right i do like the addition i like the you know as much as george lucas obviously created this entire galaxy and is the man behind all of it i do like that he didn't write these scripts because i think the dialogue is you can yeah. watch it without wanting to punch yourself in the face no, I, I agree Prequels the other night i watched revenge of the sith which really mm-hmm. could be a great movie in terms of like this is how darth vader was born the dialogue mm-hmm. is so terrible. The, the dialogue's bad, and Hayden Christensen had ruined those movies. <laughs> Hayden Christensen what? and, and little, Jake, little, little Jake good. Lloyd, the little Jake Lloyd in the very first Phantom oh, Menace, absolutely oh. just, they almost ruined Star Wars for yes. me. I loved you and McGregor as Obi-Wan was a great cast. Great one. Mace, Mace Windu and, and Samuel L. Jackson. Jackson. Just the fact that we got to see uh, Yoda yes. in his prime yes. and kicking ass and, and taking names and, and being the master Jedi that Yoda really right. is. Um, those are all great about the prequels, man. Right. And just in the, the how many Jedi there were just, you know, the yeah. how badass the Jedi was. Mm-hmm. To be able to see that, uh, I think, was awesome. But Hayden Christensen's portrayal of Anakin Skywalker... <laughs> Damn near little, ruined. Was it Darth a little for you? Oh, <laughs> God, man. It was it was just so bad. It just took away from – you just don't see or hear uh, – Vader. James Earl Vader. Jones. Yeah. Correct. No, you I'm, just don't see that. You don't hear he that. Got done, that. Yeah, he just got done killing all the younglings and Padawans at a temple. It's kind of a terrible thing. Yeah. And all Natalie Portman and Padme can say – is you're breaking my heart? What? <laughs> Are you serious? That's yeah. all you can say? Seriously. Ah. The guy just slaughtered yes. children. Right. But yeah, yeah, we're worried about your heart, though. We are. Uh, I will say there is the only... Did you notice, did you feel like it was a little Avenger-ish in the humor? Not that I didn't laugh. I felt mm-hmm. like I was watching. There was a, like a, it was a snarky, like uh, Tony Stark, even maybe Guardians of the Galaxy, like Marvel type humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they tried to mix that in a little bit. I, I sensed that a little bit. I think, uh, <laughs> and if you watch and, and appreciate the Marvel Avenger movies as much as we do, right? Um, that's one of the the great appealing parts of that. Yeah. The problem is with Star Wars, that's not what Star Wars is yeah, about. It's not a funny place, man. No. <laughs> it's not supposed to be. No, it really isn't. And I think there's certain characters that probably didn't need to be in the movie at all. And there's uh, certain Yep. Uh, there were certain scenes and parts that you're talking about that, that were not necessary. You don't need to make this thing funny. I don't need comedic relief no. at at, uh, at any point. Do you have I wonder what the heck are they gonna do with Finn? There's parts of Finn that I don't like again, that they're trying to play up this reluctant hero too much. Yeah. He's already, he's already done that. He was a reluctant hero in the first one. He's yeah. already, he's, yeah. he is totally, he's in now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's in. Yeah. He's not reluctant anymore. No. Okay. He's in. So let's not continue on this storyline of being a reluctant hero. I'm in the whole thing with him and Ray. I'm not quite sure. Are they supposed to be in love or are they just, I, Exactly. Are they just plutonic, really tight plutonic friends, which right. doesn't really exist, as we all know? Right. Or 
what, what's what's the real story there? So that's an interesting question, man. How where they're going to continue with that story? Because again, you got Finn and then you got Poe, right? Are they so which the guy? Yeah, which one? Yeah, and they've got this bromance going, and it's like, okay, which who's who here? Who's the guy that we really want to latch on to? And because you can't do that many stories, right? I you feel know, like when once again trying to avoid spoilers, can we talk about why did Benicio del Toro not have the red lapel on? <laughs> and who was who no. was wearing it? <laughs> Who's that guy? <laughs> what, <laughs> what the hell was that all about? I do. That was a problem for me. I'm not gonna lie. I, 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 I agree. Drinking my drink and eating some chicken strips. Going. Why are we at this casino planet? I want to know because <laughs> I really want to see Ray lift up that X-wing out of the ocean. I'd like to see that instead of this uh, gambling scene with Benicio del Toro. And did the character have a tick for some reason? Like what? Yeah. What was that about? I, I didn't. I didn't get that one bit. I didn't. Again, his character was. <laughs> what was his name? I didn't get it? I don't know. I, I didn't catch it. I never caught it. <laughs> I never caught it either. I didn't catch it. My, my deal is why. Let's just use BB-8 next time. Because yeah, I'm pretty sure one. he probably could have cracked the code himself. <laughs> BB-8 is is the next generation R2-D2, and all those guys do is get it done. Right. That is true. Like like the, whoever uh, makes droids should probably be in charge of the rebellion. Seriously, just make <laughs> a bunch of droids like art with the same mindset as art. And who installs the minds of these guys? Like R2-D2, like how are they so much different than C-3PO? Like C-3PO is the biggest little whiner and, yeah. and just annoying. He's intelligent as hell. He, he reminds me of, you know, if you're relating again to sports – He's just the the color commentator, the annoying guy. Yeah. He's the Mike Tirico, the Jim Nance, yeah. the Bob Costas. He's just that yep. guy that you know has got to be in the movies. There's times where he's entertaining, but there's times where you're going, okay, enough. Just shut up already. Hey, maybe and then, this is just me. Did you notice ever before in your life that his arms are stuck that way with a crossbar? No. From his ribs to his forearm? No, I, yeah. I don't remember that part of being there. Like the this, action figures. Once again, we're in an audio show, and I'm demonstrating for some reason, like anybody can see me. <laughs> but he's got a bar between his forearm and his rib, so he can't do anything. That's why well, he's like that. No idea. Well, and you know who built him? Anakin freaking Skywalker, oh, way back in the day. God, little little Jake God. Lloyd. Little you really despise Jake. Oh, I can't stand that kid. I can't stand. I can't stand that character. It ruined. It like I said, it almost ruined the if entire Star Wars galaxy. Street, would you boo him? I would boo the hell out of him. <laughs> In my James Earl Jones voice. I would boo the hell out of that guy. You'll never be Anakin. <laughs> you are not. You are not Darth Vader to me. The best thing that happened was the lava. <laughs> exactly. That was. <laughs> By far the best thing that has happened in this entire Star Wars, those entire prequel of the Star Wars, yes. with him being burnt to a crisp. I was hoping that he died, but obviously he yeah. can't die because he's Darth Vader. I love though that it was Obi Wan, like literally won that fight, like he won it. That oh was- yeah, he, he he flat out told him, "I've got the higher ground. What are you yeah. doing? Give up." <laughs> and Hayden just looked up at him and said, "No," and he gave him a whimper and- voice that was kind of whiny. Yeah, he's just this entitled little brat, and that's not what Darth Vader's supposed to be. No. He's not supposed to be this entitled little brat. I'm nerding out over here thinking uh, about okay. it. Okay, last question. Was that a badass enough scene for Luke 
for you? And I'm, that's all I'm going to say to describe it for people who haven't seen it. Was it a badass enough scene, Luke and Kylo? I, I do. I, I thought yeah. so. I thought that was. I thought it was a great way to do it. Great way to just show that uh, Luke is at this point the greater of the two yeah. Jedi's. Right. And again, not trying to give anything away. Right. But I thought that ultimately, I came away from that going, yeah, Luke showed why he's Luke. Right. Everybody will know a little Jay Z. Dirt off your shoulder. There's a Luke Skywalker moment. That's pretty sweet. Yes. So that's um, that's it when it comes to the Star Wars. Again, Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Go see it if you haven't seen it. I don't care if you're a Star Wars fan or not. Watch it. Enjoy it. Listen to our review of it. Tell us if you agree or disagree. Uh, either way, we're going to keep talking. That's right. So. Cross the streams. Excuse me, Egon. You said crossing the streams was a bad.